Welcome to Cloud and Clear, the podcast by SADA for innovative business leaders and technology enthusiasts, where we explore how Google Cloud is transforming the industry and what that means to you. Now, here's your host, Tony Safoyan. Mr. Morgan Reed, welcome to Cloud and Clear. Thanks Chief for having me. Information Officer of the great state of Arizona. I can't believe you're here. It's, a, it's a Sunday. Thanks for having me, Tony. Happy to be here. I'm sorry the AC is not working on Sundays. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> You're literally in the hot seat. Um, thanks for being my first customer, our first client to be featured on Cloud and Clear. It's an honor to have you. The timing worked out fantastic. It did. And I know the world's really excited to hear from you. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the last time we got together, we were filming this great video at Next for Google, and there was like an hour of great content. And you know what they do, they, they boil it down to like three minutes. They left a lot of good stuff on the floor. Exactly, so this is the makeup for that. Awesome. This is all ours, we control editorial rights, everything, we're gonna, we're gonna leave in all the juicy bits. We're gonna tell our story. Exactly. Great. So before we tell our story uh, together, I, I think it'd be interesting for our, our listeners to, to know a little bit about you, get to know you a little bit better. So, um, state of Arizona CIO now, and uh, just tell us a little bit about how long you've been there, how that all came about. And I was super interested to find um, a little bit about your private sector roots. Sure, so this is actually my first government job. I've been a state CIO for a little over three years. I was hired in October of 2015. And uh, what I was told was that there was 400 people that applied for the job of CIO of the state of Arizona. Wow. I was not one of those people. <laughs> So I was actually on uh, one of the committees for the predecessor, my uh, former CIO, Aaron Sandine. He and I went to college together 20 some odd years ago. And uh, at the time he approached me, they needed a private sector seat filled on their committee because they didn't have quorum and they couldn't meet and they couldn't decide on things. So they were getting wow. backed up. And I was doing them a favor. Hey, you've been in the private sector a while. Uh, I worked, uh, the last time he and I worked together out of, out of DeVry, was at Intel in the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and then we had gone our separate ways. Um, so after that, I went to GoDaddy. I was employee number 80. Um, you know, it was, uh, I had come off of going to Intel when they were at 50,000 employees, leaving when they were at 80,000 employees. A lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape, a lot of talking about what we're going to do and not a lot of doing it. And when I got to GoDaddy, it was really liberating because we were this startup. Nobody knew what GoDaddy was. Some of my friends thought I was working for a porn site when they heard the name. I'm like, no, that's, that's not what it is. We do domains, we do websites, we do hosting. Um, but back then, I was a Windows system administrator slash data center guy because they really only had 30 servers in the data center. It was this small little um, colo. And I would go down there one week, one day a week, maybe every two weeks to rack a server or two. Um, and they had this hosting business that they thought was going to pick up. You know, they had a Windows server for Windows hosting and a Linux server for Linux hosting. And uh, over the 10 years and 10 months I was there, we ended up building that to, I think when I left, we had 4,000 employees and 30,000 servers in their data centers. So I was the guy that had to make uh, the data center data centers happen and kind of grow that scale. You know, we were really, if you think about it, we were the cloud for small businesses before they called it the cloud. So um, we didn't know that's what it was, but we were like, hey, let us be your IT shop. We're gonna host your domain. Oh, you want it, um, a website? We can build that, we have tools. You want uh, marketing, we have that, SEO. 
Um, but we had to grow quickly. I think for the first five years I was there, we were doubling in size about every year. And it was just keeping up with that hyperscale. Um, and we were, you know, as much as our employee count was doubling, our server count was growing even faster. So initially it was the, the one data center in Mesa, and then it became one in Mesa and Phoenix, and then Mesa and Phoenix and Chandler. And then we decided to go international, and I was responsible for, you know, um, helping scout the locations in um, Amsterdam. We set up a colo there. Then we wanted to go to Asia. Uh, we opened up a colo in uh, Singapore. So all of a sudden, you know, I came from, uh, I was uh, employee number 80 at the small company. I had a globally distributed team of, you know, 30, 40 people operating data centers 24 seven around the globe. So it was humbling just being part of that growth. Um, but then when they sold the private equity, um, not that long ago, uh, you know, the writing was on the wall for a lot of us that had kind of been there and built it with our bare hands to, um, you know, if we didn't, with the joke was Yahoo, Googlesoft, and if you didn't have Yahoo, Yahoo, Google, or Microsoft in your resume, you didn't know what you were doing, and clearly you didn't belong here, and you couldn't be part of the future of this company. So, we took our exit, and uh, a lot of us have done well after that. I have friends, uh, you know, one of my friends that's actually on my committee now that I run that group for the state is the CTO of um, Choice Hotels. He, he and I, you know, he was the dev manager, I was the data center manager, and we kind of built applications and services together. So, uh, you know, it was a great time to kind of grow up in that in that um, space. Um, when I left GoDaddy, Expedia actually recruited me to run their global data centers. So, um, took it from Arizona um, and Seattle to, same thing, we went to uh, Amsterdam, we went to Singapore, we, uh, you know, kind of grew globally. Um, and I had a really good thing going. I think when I started at um, Expedia in Arizona, I was the, I was, me and one other guy were the highest ranking guys. We were directors in Chandler. Uh, I think I had about 12 people reporting to me. And by the time I left, I had 50 people in Arizona, and 30 people in Seattle. So I kind of had that best of both worlds, right? I, could, I was looking at property, I was gonna summer in Seattle, and I was gonna winter in Arizona. And I thought, you know, this is the dream, uh, doing what I love. But um, the state called me, and uh, my predecessor actually, when he and the CTO and the chief strategy officer all left on the same day in January, um, right after the Governor Ducey took office, they they left and they said, um, you know, you should you should apply for my replacement. And I was like, why would I ever go work for government, right? I mean, I had right. a really good thing going and love what I'm doing. And uh, the more I looked into it, you know, I think I uh, I said, tell you what, I'll interview. They're never going to give me the job. I've never been higher than a director in the private sector. But um, you know, uh, if it'll get you off my back and get you not bothering me anymore, I'll go ahead and apply. So, first interview was in April. Fast forward to October when I finally took the job. Uh, but what did it for me was the governor's chief of staff, Kirk Adams. He actually, you know, painted a picture for me. He said, no CIO has had the support of a governor that this CIO is going to have of this governor. And we want you to do big things. We can no longer incrementally improve. We have to transform. We have to leapfrog. We have to do things that the private sector's done. So we actually want somebody that's coming up in their career that's still trying to prove themselves and do big things versus somebody that's climbed the mountain and now wants to, you know, put their feet up and rest on their laurels because this this state can't afford that right right and uh the the demand was there um to to go fast to go big so when we came in and started doing things um you know we had the full support of uh as we call it the ninth floor but we had the support of the governor's office that's so, and that's so it was important. It, it, it it we would not have been able to do what we've done over these last three years without that i hear that of every cio that i know or every line of business leader, the support of, in this case, the governor, the CEO, the board, it, it just comes up over and over again as being such an important part 
of anybody's ambition to do transformational things, right? Because there's this element of risk, you know, the easiest thing is to maintain status quo, right? It is. Very few people get fired for maintaining status quo. Yep. Especially in government. Public sector, what I've learned. But yeah, we, um, you know, he painted the picture of a couple of things that were um, lacking. So we had, I think, 27 different database technologies. We had over 20 data centers on prem. There was a high cost of ownership for those. Um, we later found out that that was um, uh, a third party consultant group that we hired ended up coming in and saying the state could save $30 million per year if we consolidated data centers, uh, much less move those to the cloud. So that was something we did. He also, uh, Chief of Staff also told me that the state had 30 different email systems. And even back then in my interview, I was still deciding whether or not I would take this job. You know, he said, the governor has worked for um, private sector organizations, as have you. Um, every successful business runs on a central communication system. So you don't have finance and marketing on one system, manufacturing on another. Um, and, and that's really what the state was doing. There was no global address book. There was no way to contact people. It was literally, let me have my people call your people instead of a time we can meet um, or get their email address so I could send them a message. So um, the, the opportunity to consolidate down the central email system with the cloud was um, there before I even took the job. And once we started on that path, um, I knew that you know if I wasn't successful doing that, then it would replace me with somebody else that was gonna do that. I mean, it was, it was one of those must do's. And although I had never um, migrated email system before, I said, you know, this, this technology's proven um, and, and there's multiple ways we can go. However, um, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it right. So we need to hire a good partner that can make sure that they guide us along the way. We work with a lot of large organizations and you know, this definitely some things that are very, very unique in, in, in state and local government, especially in, in just broader, uh, broader terms like in public sector versus enterprise. But um, there's a lot of things that are like an enterprise um, in, in any state. Um, the, the biggest thing that we run into oftentimes is we get very, very far down into an evaluation process with a customer, especially large customers. And, you know, it's not, you could have done everything right and, you know, all the math works out, uh, all, the, all the technical validation is, is sort of overcome, the security concerns are handled, um, you know, everything is lined up. But there's this big difference. There's a sort of two different types of leaders at the end. There's ones that can't get over the line, even though it may be the thing they want most in the world <laughs> to do, right? move to the cloud, move to G Suite, move to GCP, whatever it is. Do something transformational. It is what they're uh, super excited about because they know it's a career-defining moment. There's those who can't or don't at the very, very end when it gets tough. And there's those that do. And it's sort of like red pill, blue pill. Mm -hmm. and, and you were distinct at, at State of Arizona in your leadership of the evaluation process and actually not only getting it over the line and now fast forward a couple of years, you've made these great strides, but getting it over the line in the first place. So I think a lot of people, a lot of your peers want to know, and it's probably you talk to a lot of people about in smaller groups, but for, for Cloud and Clear and our listeners, uh, how did you actually get it over the line? So the first thing we did, uh, you know, we had to be forthcoming and say, you know, we feel confident in doing this, but we haven't done this. So we're going to go ahead and first, we're going to look at options in the marketplace 
we're going to come back with recommendations. So we're not going to just, you know, try to shove one vendor down their throat or we're not going to say, trust us, it's this. We, we had to back it up with a business case. So we went out and looked at um, the current environment in the state. The state had 30 different email systems, including GroupWise, Lotus Notes. You know, this is in 2017, right? I mean, by far, you know, some agencies should have been off that. Um, we had some that were on Exchange, but it was like Exchange 2010 and Office 2010, and they had stopped paying software assurance. So they had no upgrades, which means they didn't have security. It was all on-prem. It was at risk in their 40-year-old old data center. Um, so that was a problem. We went and looked at the landscape, and we found that there were uh, the incumbent vendor had 60 different agreements with the state at different prices. We said, hey, we want to get to one price, one email system. We want everybody to go to the cloud email. Um, we asked Google the same thing. And, um, you know, it was many months uh, of negotiating and going back and forth and T's and C's and contracts and whatnot. Um, but when we finally had the results, we presented two options to the governor's office. And one option was half the price of the other. And we said, um, you know, we can get the state to one email system. We're confident of that. We can do it with Microsoft. We can do it with Google. Um, you know, we're going to defer that decision to this to the governor. Um, but what we will say, uh, you know, and we, we felt the numbers did speak for themselves at that point um, in the value of G Suite. Um, one aside is the security. You know, we did not know. Um, you know, we knew Microsoft was was good at providing security because you know, um, whether it was the HIPAA or the, the FedRAMP, et cetera, um, you know, they had a reputation for securing, especially in the public sector. So we thought that it would be more of an uphill climb for Google, but what we found out when we actually, you know, double clicked and did the deep dive was that the security was much better um, with Google Cloud. The way they shard the data, that none of, no copy of any one email of ours is ever in one data center um, to, be, to be read by whether it was a rogue actor or you know a, a government gone rogue, um, and we actually flew um, one of one of the years I went to the next conference, met the head of um, Google Security and Compliance. We flew him to Arizona to have a meeting with our um, information security officers, the chief, the CISO that worked for me, and the ISOs that worked for the other agencies. And it was like Q and A. What reservations do you guys have about Google as a security as a platform? What concerns do you have? What questions? And it was, you know, half a day. Um, they asked just about everything they could think of, and he addressed, here's how Google and how the um, Google Cloud addresses those things. And it, it provided a lot more um, comfort with the security that, you know, for a lot of time was just unknown. So it was fe there was yeah. fear of the unknown with our agencies. But once that became kind of demystified, they understood, okay, this is actually enterprise great, and it's a level of security better than what we probably have. So anyway, we, we presented all that. We presented the findings to the governor and said, um, we can do this. We can do it with either platform. But I will tell you that without a mandate, this will not happen. There will be agencies that find their way out of this. Because you hadn't fully centralized IT. We hadn't. No, it was still distributed. So so we're a federated state. We have 1,500 state employees. I have less than 10% of those reporting to me. Um, the one thing I have is I can sign off on their funding, what they spend money on in terms of IT, software, services, hardware. Um, but I literally had one agency CIO tell me as we talked about centralizing email under Google, he said, well, even if the governor says we're going to do that, um, we're not going to go and you can't make me. I said, okay. That, that's what I'm super <laughs> interested about. Like those, because I know it happens. Even in large organizations that are not public sector, you have departments, divisions, others, you know, for sometimes 
I think valid reasons from the standpoint of ignorance, like they haven't done the homework and they're scared and, and whatever. So they have this genuine concern. And other times it's just sort of, you know, outside pressure, political pressure, risk aversion, you know, other things that are not maybe logical at all. Um, there's, there's forces that in large organizations, the inertia is so strong. The inertia towards doing nothing or doing the, um, uh, the upgrade, you know, of, of more of the same, that, that pressure is so high that all throughout the evaluation process, I'm sure, you know, you're getting FUD, you're getting pressure, you're getting political maneuvering, mm. you're getting undermining, misinformation. How do, you, how do you manage all of those things? You know, it was funny, you talk about the, the pressure and the um, third party. So we had the Microsoft lobbyists actually tried to have a secret meeting with some of my agencies to plot against this. Like, what are we gonna use to come out of this guy so we don't have to go? And we actually stationed one of our employees there in the parking lot to take pictures of who walked into his oh, doors. I'm, I'm not kidding you. Uh, <laughs> this is like you know, a movie. We, ha we had one of our agencies forward us the invite. It's like, just so you know, there's there's active uh, work trying to be done against this. So, um, you know, so we, we, we looked into that. But we told the governor, um, you know, that it, without a mandate, agencies will not go. And it, it can't come from us, it has to come from you. So we had a cabinet meeting. It was August 22nd of 2017. Um, and Chief Adams got up there in front of the agency directors who, you know, um, were worked for the pleasure, under the pleasure of the governor. And he told them, um, you know, we are going to, this, this state is going to Google. We're going to do it over the next two years. He said, some of your IT people will push back on this. We try to find reasons why not. Uh, your job as leaders is to manage them through that or manage them out. But this will happen. Thank you for your participation. He said, see Morgan in the back? I raised my hand. He said, if he calls you, you will take the meeting. You will follow instructions. He's going to report him back to me on who is and who isn't not doing this. So with that, um, you know, that support, that backing, the wind in our sales, we went forward. And initially what we did is we knew those agencies that had a lot of complexity, a lot of security. And they would take longer. So we said, we're not asking you to go first, but you are going to have to go. So let's spend these next two years planning. What are those use cases? What are your concerns? Um, and let's give you more time to get comfortable and to gain, whether it's certification, compliance, before we move you. But the other side we did is like, who's ready to go right now? We right. had some smaller agencies and boards that, frankly, wanted to go right away. Um, I think one that was in phase zero or one, we did phase zero, one, two, and three. Um, that one of the early phases that like literally switched everybody over to Chromebooks, they're fully on G Suite. They turned off all their Microsoft. It was just full adoption. I mean, they're only like 10 people, but it really showed the power of what is possible if, you know, an agency and their leadership is willing. Um, and you had other people that, you know, would, you know, let's just say some of the financial employees, accountants and whatnots, you know, you can pry Excel out of their cold dead hand. They're not giving up that product. Right. And, well, you had other states like Wyoming that said they did their state budget with a Google sheet. So, we didn't. Uh, we started off with not uninstalling anything, but just like, okay, you're going to be on an email and calendar. You're going to have the full power of the Google Suite, and we want everybody to get trained on the new platform. So it was required that every agency employee go through training. And we had a great training provider in SADA helping us with that. Um, and then people would say, well, you know, I still need, I still need Excel. I still need Word. We said, okay, well, you know, you're going to have a time-based exception. Um, we'll give you six months more to use that that Microsoft product, but you have to justify why the Google tool won't work. And in these next six months, you have to go to training, uh, deeper dive training, to find out if there's a way around that that you, that you just didn't know, right? Based on the thirty minutes of training 
upfront. So uh, we're still managing through that project. You know, will we ever get to zero Microsoft install in the state? No, but but just by going from rental licenses when we were paying um, Office 365 for our agencies, we did the math at about $1,000 per user per uh, over five years. And to buy a perpetual Excel license, for example, it was $100 one time. So even if keeping, whether it was Word or Excel or whatever product they need, uh, lowered costs by 90% over five years. So we still felt comfortable from a financial perspective that we're doing the right thing for the state. Um, but it was funny how the uh, the Google tools started to spread and and agencies that started using those, you know, there was some peer pressure that everybody's collaborating in the shared document, why aren't you? Yeah. This is the slides, don't send me your version. I'm not gonna put those together yeah. anymore. I'm not gonna send you one version to 17 people, then you have 18 versions, you gotta put them back together. Um, really, even the governor's office, so as they started leading cabinet meetings and they started doing goal councils where they'd get multiple agencies together to solve the same problem, you know, they said, we're now sending out a link to the Google Slides. Everybody can go in and make their uh, updates. Don't send us anything. And if people tried, they would say, no, you, these, your slides are three through six. Edit them yourself. That saved uh, the governor's office. They said two days per quarter in just oh, yeah. time of somebody that, um, you know, was, was assistant in that office putting those things together. So just once the, uh, you know, we started having the snowball effect. Once some agencies have it, they would invite other agencies. Once more agencies had it. Um, the use kind of spread. And now, um, you know, everybody has the Google suite on their phones, email, calendar, hangouts, drive. Um, and we also started seeing reductions in VPN usage. Um, it just, it, it really has changed the way that the state worked because, you know, it's easy. And, you know, yeah. while we offered Google training, a lot of people were like, well, I actually have had a Gmail account for 10 years, but I haven't used calendar, for example, right. right? I haven't used Sheets. So I want training on that, or I want advanced um, Google training. I don't need the basics. You, you know what's funny? We, we do a lot of this training. We do all the storytelling, demo, demos, all, all these things. But what you described was like the, the actual viral effect. Yes. It's so powerful because uh, there's the viral effect, and there's like the FOMO, oh, yep. like I'm missing out. Like, then it, there's a forcing function, like the governor's office using those tools. And then once you use it a couple of times in a practical application when there's a deadline or something like that, it's very hard to go back. It is. I can't even imagine doing some of the things we do without real-time collaboration. Like it, was, today. it was a challenge for me recently. I gave a keynote at a vendor conference and the vendor that was putting in the conference still used Microsoft. And I was sending them Google Slides and they were sending me Microsoft PowerPoint. And let's just say some things got lost in the translation. I was like, and I and I looked around. I said, I have a MacBook and I have a Chromebook. I said, I don't have Microsoft's PowerPoint installed on either of these things. Yeah. I was like, can you guys, do you have a machine that I can actually edit these PowerPoint slides? So I was literally sending them the the text that I wanted to use in the body of an email and they were having to paste it into PowerPoint. It's just like, I don't work that way anymore. Like I've evolved, right? It felt like we had moved on. But um, yeah, it's it's really, you get so comfortable using the tools in the real time. Um, you know, we send hangouts in the morning to each other if one of us is going to be late or if we need to hang out uh, a dial-in setup for the meeting. We always are creating new drives and sharing them with this group or that group. Uh, and the work's happening real time across our age organization. And it's just, it's, it's changed the way we work for the better. Um, there's a lot less frustration with what version are you using and, well, when is yours dated? And, um, you know, where did you save that? Because, the, the, you know, what Google started on is the search. You can search for anything. It doesn't matter if it's in my drive or somebody else's or if it's shared or I was actually the one creating it. Yeah. Sometimes I forget. Um, you, you search it, you find it, 
It doesn't matter where it is. Everybody can work up the same uh, platform. Yeah, we gotta. I gotta show you Cloud Search. It's really good. Awesome. Even just for just the native, even if you're not connecting it to anything else. Um, what I'm looking for content now, just go to the Cloud Search um, uh, capability and searching across documents, calendar, and invites, email all in one interface. Are really cool. I'll show you later today. But awesome. um, so. There's a couple agencies left. We made made a, made a lot of progress, yep. and obviously, we're just uh, we met last week um, in person. And it was kind of great to to see how much progress had been made, but also, you know, how much there is potentially left to do. Right? I think for a lot of our customers, enterprise customers, where we are here with with you guys in this uh, in this phase is it still very much feels like the beginning of the journey, even though a lot has been accomplished. So as you look forward, and I know some of this is literally things that we are talking about together. We just yeah. kind of, we, we, we went through several options together, but what, do you, what are you personally most excited about in the next you know, six months, year, um, knowing what you know about all of Google Cloud? I think you know, G Suite is very deep and broad. It's one part of Google, the Google Cloud story, but what are, you, what are you the most excited about? Like, what do you think is the biggest impact to the state, the constituents of the state, for the governor? Where, where, where's your head with the, with kind of with the, the art of the possible? So a couple of things we've seen um, over these last couple of years as agencies have gotten more and more comfortable with the platform. There was a demand for, um, you know, whether it was uh, Google Forms or AppMaker. So we actually had some AppMaker training uh, brought in, and then it was like great can we put this in GCP? And unfortunately the state, uh, you know, it was kind of a chicken and egg. We had a contract to go to G Suite, but it didn't include uh, GCP. So just in these last couple months, we finally got an addendum to one of our contracts to allow us to go to GCP. So we have some um, demand there. I'm looking forward to having our agencies have the power to create scripts, create forms, create kind of tools, front end customer facing tools on their own without having to bring in a consultant, without having to, um, you know, do this big multi-year, multi-million dollar IT project to deliver a citizen-facing service. Um, one of the things that we've been uh, efforting to do over these last couple of years is move more services online. I think there was about 200 online when I started. We have about 1,000 now, but they're across multiple um, websites and uh, domains. What kind of services? Um, citizen-facing services, license permits. We have a e-licensing platform. Um, but it's still, you know, whether or not we're using um, vendors-supported solutions, um, custom code, whether we're using Salesforce, there's still a lot of effort to get those services online. My hope is uh, with the ease of the Google tools, um, AppMaker, Google Forms, we actually can have some agencies have their business users do this uh, a little more real-time, a little more on the fly. So that's one of the things I'm looking forward to, just kind of uh, accelerating that and putting it in the hands, taking it out of the hands of the IT team and putting it in the hands of really everyday users. Second is the data. Um, we were at Next uh, a couple of years ago and met uh, somebody that worked for a healthcare company and they were like a four-year-old company. They were born in the cloud. Everything they did was in AWS, but they were telling us how they were moving all their data in their analytics data into GCP so they can use BigQuery on it because, um, well, they liked what Amazon had to offer. The, the power of BigQuery was better than the analytics tools they were getting there. So we said, you know, we are also a big Amazon user, that's uh, intriguing to us. So, you know, and regardless of what that company was doing, 
um, and what kind of data they were analyzing, just to have that extra capability on our menu for our citizens. And we have a lot of data. I think we like to say we're data rich and we're information poor. We do not have, we have it in all these different silos. It's not indexed, it's not linked together. And really, when you, the governor finally, uh, finally started bringing multiple agencies together to solve similar problems, such as the opioid epidemic, such as uh, recidivism in our prisons, uh, you had to bring these uh, agencies together that had never shared data before and didn't know how and didn't have a platform to do right. that. So now that we brought in uh, cloud capabilities to be able to have the platforms that they can um, you know, bring their data together, ask what if questions, um, have um, models built up, I think that's gonna allow us ultimately, you know, the governor and the agencies to, to make better decisions faster for the benefit of our citizens. So um, I just think democratizing and unlocking that data uh, is gonna be a super powerful tool. For sure. I, I think that's the case for many large organizations. It's like the, the data, it's not easy to create data no. anymore <laughs> right. or even store the data. Nope. I think it's uh, consolidating it, cleansing it, making it meaningful and actionable. It's probably why you're seeing things like the Looker acquisition or even you know Salesforce buying Tableau. I think that yeah. the benefits of, of making uh, great insights out of data, I think, is going to be the competitive advantage of every enterprise looking forward is whoever makes better sense of the data, it's probably you know, who's going to win, right? Yep. And there's opportunity in government to uh, not only give our citizens what they need when they need it, but to predict what they're going to need. Um, and that's just something that, from what I've seen inside of state government, is kind of untapped. I know private industry's for been sure. doing it for a while, um, but we, you know, we don't have a lot of on-prem data la uh, data uh, warehouses and data lakes are still new to us. So you know, we're using the power of the cloud to, to start building those things now. And, and the easier um, vendors like Google make it, that the more um, fast those things will spread. Going back to where we started, which is like data center, how much of your overall data center footprint today is consolidated or virtualized, containerized, I mean, I know, or in the cloud. I, I, by the way, I know you're multi-cloud like every large organization, but yeah. how much progress has been made on the purely the data center side since you took over? So we, um, when we got that report in 2016 that said, uh, this, there's two ways to look at it. The state could save $30 million a year if they consolidated data centers, or the state's overpaying $30 million a year <laughs> By doing it the way they're doing it, um, we started. Okay, let's let's solve this problem. We said we're going to tackle it by by trying to uh, shut down the state's largest data center. This was a forty-year-old building that um, crossed the parking lot from my office, so I got to see it every day. And constant uh, reminder, constant <laughs> reminder. And and uh, the last three times it went out was not because of IT equipment failure. It was because of power, because of cooling. It was because of environmentals. Um, so it just wasn't sustainable. I think we had $15 million in deferred maintenance on that building. And if we were going to bring it up to a two, true tier three data center, it was going to take another $50 million. But we're competing with the same general fund that pays for like teachers and cops and doctors. So that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. So we said, you know what? We're going to put a cloud first mandate. We're going to try to shut this place down. We ended up relocating the state network to a tier three colo nearby that was on state contract. We ended up saying you had uh, every agency at 18 months to either relocate their equipment uh, to the colo or move it to the cloud. But what we said is you can't relocate it unless you prove why it can't move to the cloud. So we said cloud first, it's not cloud only. There's a reason that it needs to be on-prem, keep it on-prem. Um, but when the dust settled in those 18 months uh, ended in December 31st of last year, 15% uh, of all the equipment there was just shut down, which is great. Wow. Uh, you know, technical debt, um, orphan servers, people had requested them and left. 
Uh, we're going to migrate to the new one, leave the old one in place for a little while. A little while turns into years, right? So we shut down 50%. Uh, 5% was actually relocated to new virtualized platform in the on-prem data center. And then 80% was moved to cloud. So um, now, can we maintain that? Hopefully, but what we've now done is ring the bell and said every other state data center, we told our uh, agency CIOs in January of this year, that they have the same 18 months to get out of their on-prem data centers as we did for ours. Wow. So it's the remaining 75% of our footprint. Um, the cloud plans were due by June 30th, and now that you know GCP's on the menu, they can go GCP, they can go Azure, they can do AWS, they can do Oracle Cloud if they want. Yeah. We're just saying you can't buy hardware and put it in your basements anymore. Um, we have the, the, the colo that's, that is tier three available um, for the stuff that remains on-prem. But starting July 1st, they have uh, 12 months to execute on that. So, um, you know, when I went, uh, after I told CIOs verbally that this was the plan, um, you know, we wanted to put that in writing. And my boss at the time said, no, you shouldn't be sending that to the CIOs. The COO should be sending that from the governor's office, mm -hmm. should be sending that to the agency director. So we did. Again, another way that the governor's office has our back. Maybe. And he, he sent that out and said everybody has to get out of their data centers by June 30th. And through um, the governor's cabinet meetings, we're actually going to be reporting on the progress. So we just do stoplight charts green. They've done it. Yellow. They have a date by which they told us they're going to do it. And red, they're taking a little longer. They might need some help. And you'd be amazed what peer pressure does when you have yeah, these highly competitive business leaders that have got to be leading an agency after however many years in the field. And they, you know, the people on either side of them are green and they're sitting there with a red dot oh, yeah. next to their agency name. It motivates yeah. them. We actually had one uh, a director of a smaller um, agency come to us after a meeting. He was new and he said, what do I have to do to never be on that red, on the bottom five list again? We okay. told him and cabinet meeting the following 90 days, he came back, he was in the green, he was in the top. Yeah. And it was just that motivation. We're not, we're not, telling you you have to, we're just reporting that you're not. Um, so it's powerful. So that's the one thing I would uh, encourage any um, of my peers to do, you know, state, city, or county, just kind of report on which agencies are, are exhibiting the behaviors that you want to see. Because um, when the governor asked us, you know, he says, he, the first thing he ever said to me when he met me was, I'm counting on you for cybersecurity, right? So I had to come up with dashboards on who was doing what we asked for cybersecurity. And that worked to get them all, you know, uh, to increase their cyber posture. We did that same model for Google email. We did that same model for getting out of the data centers, going to the cloud. So it's been working for us. Um, we're, we're expecting more as we lead these cloud initiatives. It's amazing. In a non-centralized state, the amount of influence, um, really to their benefit, but just the amount of influence you've been able to create is remarkable. I don't think I've seen anything quite like it. Thanks, Tony. It's been fun. It's, I think uh, the visibility on the, on the on the most you know the highest stage, <laughs> red red green yellow I think helps. But yeah. it's just uh, the governor's office support uh, helps. Uh, that's that's really that's really exciting. Yeah, it's been it's been a fun uh, three years, and we got more work to do. We have uh, a year left to get out of those data centers. We got to complete the G Suite migration, which we, you were, you were working on with us. And uh, there's a couple other things around the corner that I'm excited about. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be in um, at least Arizona state government. I don't envy some of my peers, but what I have told them is, you know, Arizona's available, whether it's to get on a call with your teams, talk about what we've done, whether it's to share documentation or, you know, fly out and, and talk to your leadership about what these guys could do. I think we had uh, 32 elections last November, 
20 new governors and of that um, some of them kept their CIO so some of my friends are still in places um, some of them have uh, changed over so there's kind of a new crop of state leaders uh, yeah. now but uh, Arizona's help ready and available to help um, whether it's G Suite whether it's cloud whether it's just uh, moving technology forward we feel we've done a pretty good job of that but um, there's always more work to do Hey, super generous of you. You guys heard it right here. The offer's on the table. He can't take it back. We're going to put his <laughs> contact information in the notes as well. Please do. <laughs> Not your direct cell phone number, maybe, but, you know, <laughs> definitely, you know, your Twitter account and stuff like that. There you go. Well, Morgan, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for stopping by in L.A., checking out a little bit of our headquarters. Yeah. You know, I didn't I didn't realize you'd, you'd sort of uh, reciprocate this quickly. I just came to your office. <laughs> Last week on Thursday, I think it yeah. was, and you're here on Sunday. It's, Tommy uh, worked out. I'm glad your personal plans uh, coincided with uh, our new Cloud and Clear podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Cloud and Clear. Check the show notes for links to this week's topics. And don't forget to connect with us on Twitter at Cloud and Clear and our website, sada.com. Be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. 